Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. My name's Rory here with you until 7 p.m. A lot to cover over the next 60 minutes. Coming up on the show tonight, we'll be talking to new Cork City manager Colin Healy, or newly appointed permanent manager Colin Healy, about their pre-season signing of Stephen Beattie and plans for the coming year. We're going to talk to higher education PRO Kieran Flynn after it was announced that the uh, college's GA championships wouldn't be happening this academic year because of the COVID-19 crisis. We're going to talk MMA and the battle for recognition by the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association. We're going to keep up to date on Manchester United and Liverpool as well. Not the greatest of games at Anfield. We'll keep you up to date on that. You're listening to the Big Red Bench on Corks Red FM. Manchester United certainly will be the happier of the two teams at the moment. 73 minutes on the clock at Anfield. Liverpool nil. Manchester United nil. Can't remember either keeper having a save to make. Yeah, Liverpool with a lot of the ball. Manchester United sitting deep. Um, United certainly will be happy with this result if it uh, stays this way. And... uh, yeah, United's first shot and target coming about five or six minutes ago from Bruno Fernandes, which will show you the extent of United's uh, attacking prowess in this game. But not a fantastic game to watch. A lot of hype over this one throughout the course of the week, but it certainly hasn't lifted up to that. So it remains my Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. 73 minutes on the clock. I'll keep you up to date on that one. But if things stay the same, United will, of course, stay three points clear of Liverpool at the top of the Premier League table. Uh, elsewhere today in the day's uh, other games uh, a good one for Tottenham today away to a very struggling Sheffield United Joe Townsend was a Bramall in Sheffield United 1 Tottenham 3 and Spurs are very much back in the title race they're now just 3 points off the top before Manchester United face Liverpool at Anfield a 3-1 win and very much well deserved a fantastic goal from Tangi and Dombele just after the hour mark clinching it responding to David McGoldrick's glancing header that had made it look as though it may be a tight finish to the game. Serge Aurier put them ahead on just five minutes heading home unmarked from a corner and Harry Kane curled in just before half time. Sheffield United well they remain bottom of the table and now 11 points adrift of fourth from bottom Burnley it looks like they're heading back to the Skybet Championship. Full time from Bramall Lane Sheffield United 1 Tottenham 3. Yeah not looking good for John Egan and uh, Sheffield United team at all and I mean United just had a shot there on target. Bruno Fernandez ball pulled back uh, from the left-hand side. Uh, I think it was by Luke Shaw, uh, saved by Allison. Should have done better there, Bruno Fernandez, but it remains Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. Uh, back to that Spurs game. Jose Mourinho happy with his players? I know that the way they they play, if you give them a chance to feel that enthusiasm, they can push you. So I'm of course happy and. Uh, some incredible individual performances which also is a pleasure yeah that was the chance for Manchester United Bruno Fernandes not looking happy with that one he should have done better hit it straight at Alisson who saved with his feet but uh, United should really have been a goal up there at Old Trafford alright kicking off in the later kickoff it's at Crystal Palace and Man City, Man City Sellers Park quarter past seven the start time for that one Peter Smith will be watching it. off and operating without recognised strikers 
and winning games by solitary goals as opposed to their multiples of seasons gone by. City is still proving hugely effective, unbeaten in 14 and having won their last seven in all competitions. Victory today would underline their title contending presence. They face a Palace side who've won and drawn here on their last two visits to the Etihad Stadium where it's Manchester City against Crystal Palace. That is a quarter past seven kickoff this evening. Rangers dropping points away to Motherwell in the Scottish Premiership with uh, their clash at Fir Park ending up in a one all draw. That point means that Stephen Gerrard's side are 20 points, 21 points clear of Celtic at the top of the table. But he says that he needed some strong words at half time to get his players going. He had to get into them a little bit at half time, and um, I thought we were really good in the second half. And over the course of the 90 minutes, we probably deserve to win it on chances and on our second half showing. But the reality is, we can't come to a game at half time when we are where we are. Conversely then Celtic first team coach Gavin Strachan has been saying that recent events have affected the squad's confidence funnily enough now he was in charge for their goal straw with Livington yesterday a week after their controversial trip to Dubai 13 players and the manager Neil Lennon and his assistant John Kennedy have been isolating after Christopher Julien tested positive for coronavirus and Strachan says it certainly had an impact it's such a shame because we were actually in a really good moment in terms of the form leading into the Rangers game the Rangers performance and then it's fallen flat really as a result of things that have happened Right, Carl Sherpert has announced his retirement from professional football at the age of 29. The forward was part of the double winning Cork City side in 2017. But in a post on Instagram today confirmed that he's been diagnosed with arthritis and that the arthritis, excuse me, in the past two seasons shown that his body can't uh, meet the demands of professional football. Sherpert has scored 89 goals in 365 professional appearances. Uh, David De Gea with a save from Thiago there. Um, looked spectacular, routine enough though at the same time. Strike from the edge of the box, but it's uh, still scoreless. Game opening up a little bit now. Uh, 78 minutes there, gone on the clock. Snooker, John Higgins leading China's Yan Bing Tao five frames to three in the Masters final at Milton Keynes. The 20-year-old Bing Tao is aiming to win his first major title. Higgins hoping to win the title for a third time. They'll resume later on this evening. Watched Higgins and Ronnie O'Sullivan on Friday night, an exhibition of snooker. It was absolutely fantastic stuff uh, between the two veterans. Really, really enjoyed that. So looking forward to it. maybe catching some of the... Uh, the, the uh, final session later on this evening now in cricket Ireland's won the international with the UAE in Abu Dhabi it is set to go ahead tomorrow following a number of postponements due to positive COVID-19 cases in the UAE's squad the series was in real doubt in the last week with matches postponed on four separate occasions the Emirates Cricket Board released a statement today saying that the closing match of the series will be played in Abu Dhabi tomorrow morning golf Brandon Steele holding a two-shot lead ahead of the final round at the PGA Tours Sony Open in Hawaii the American holds a two-shot lead at 18 under par and in racing real deal claimed victory for trainer Ronald McNally in the feature race at Punchestown today Dennis O'Regan on board slammed the Skybet Moscow Flyer novice hurdle in Vi Allen meanwhile took the honours in the Skybet Kalani novice steeplechase Alright, earlier on today, um, worrying news this morning, very worrying news uh, when the Greater Western Sydney Giants tweeted out to say that Cork's breed staff have been taken to hospital following a collision in a tackle. The tweet said that the spinal precaution protocols were being followed. The stack was playing in a warm-up game for the Giants against the Adelaide Crows, her debut game in Australia. While news from Australia has been slow in forthcoming, Cork LGFA on Twitter said that Stack will make a full recovery from her injury and that it's not as bad as originally fares. Thank God for that. For more on this, I'm joined now by our own Valerie Wheeler. And Valerie, uh, that was really worrying news this morning. 
Yeah, Rory, I think a lot of people woke up to that um, horrific news online on Twitter this morning. I know myself when I woke up, went on Twitter. Unfortunately, it was the first thing I saw that was tweeted from their account. Um, they did say that she was involved in a collision, kind of like a late tackle in the like fourth quarter of the game, which was which was nearly over. And it was a practice game. And they just said because of precautions that they were going to go take her to hospital and make sure everything was all right. Because, you know, you need to always make sure things are OK when the spine is involved. But they did tweet that it was a possible spinal injury, which obviously sent a lot of people into, you know, the worst possible fear ever, I think. I know we were chatting this morning, Rora, and we felt devastated to see that. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine how her family felt here at home, how, uh, you know, her husband and her little son there with her. I just, I just can't imagine how everyone felt getting that news this morning. Yeah, we were all very, very worried about her. As you say, when you hear the word spinal mentioned in an injury report like that, you automatically think the worst. Um, we saw a couple of photographs as well with, uh, with Breed like, lying prone on the floor with a very concerned looking uh, Cora Staunton standing over. And at that stage, you are fearing the worst. Yeah, no, of course you are. And to see those photos as well, they were heartbreaking, Rory, you know, because I think Cora, Cora probably was part of the reason why Breed probably travelled. So she was probably, you know, she's our closest friend out there. She really encouraged her to go do it. And she was a great teammate to her in, in order. You know, when you're first moving to someplace new like that, it's nice to have someone. And Breed was lucky to have Cora there to be able to show her around and show her the ropes and stuff. But um, for it to be Breed's first season and for her to have spent Christmas, I know, in quarantine, in a hotel with her son and husband and for her to have made that decision to move out there and change and pack up her life and for this just to happen it's just, you know, it's terribly sad and it's just, you just feel terribly sorry for Breed and thank God we all did fear the worst this morning but thank God we did get some positive news over the last few hours. Yeah, so the situation currently is that like while she has been pretty badly injured it isn't um, uh, as bad as we were fearing this morning. It does look like her season is over over but thankfully that's the worst part of the news yeah that is the worst part of the news and I think you take that over anything that mm. we all would have feared you know and I do think that she's maybe facing a five or six week recovery I know that's what she is facing but thankfully it's not what we all feared as you did mention Rory I think you know Breed is only 34 years of age she's newly married she's a new little boy and you know she's such a lovely life ahead of her and Oz and it's great to see that you know that you never know. Breed is such a warrior as well, Rory. You mm. never know. Is at the end of our season. You never know that Breed might get back up in the horse and would like to continue her season out there as well. I don't. I, I know that that's the type of person that Breed is. You know. Oh yeah, one of the most determined people I think I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah, no, definitely so. So I can't imagine that, you know, if the doctors were telling her six weeks, three could breed to be better in three. That's the kind of person she is. But um, we just want to wish her the very best look from all of us here at home in Cork. I know it's been a rough week for everyone in the ladies football um, in Cork this week. And to get that news this morning isn't really particularly nice for her family here at home. So we're just thinking of all of them. Yeah, we certainly are. You don't win all those All-Irelands All Ireland, and All-Stars without that determination uh, that, that that breed has, certainly. <laughs> No, God Almighty, yeah, you know, she's so many All-Ireland medals and... You know, Tripping over them. 
I know, I don't know, just even know where they're kept. I remember when they won their last one, when I spoke to them in 2016, when they won, I remember uh, Rena was at Breach saying she doesn't even know where any of her medals are. She has so many of them. So <laughs> <laughs> That's just the type of humble people they are. They're not displaying them in a cabinet like I would if I won them, Rory. <laughs> or me. All right, fingers crossed. Bree makes a very full recovery very, very soon. We wish her all the best uh, in Australia. But uh, Valerie, thanks for joining us and uh, getting us up to date on uh, Bree's situation. Thanks, Rory. Yeah, and our very best uh, wishes to Braden. Thanks to, to Valerie for joining me there. Um, yeah, it was horrific news this morning when you're waking up to see that suite and you hear spinal precautions uh, being taken. Um, you fear the worst. Just It was very worrying trying to get news from Australia and trying to get uh, confirmation. It was just horrible. But thankfully, Breed is okay. Um, well, not okay, but like it isn't as bad as we had first feared when we heard the news this morning. And uh, fingers crossed um, she will make a full recovery, as indeed is being reported now. So our very best wishes indeed to Breed uh, in Australia. The game at uh, Anfield opening up a little bit. Manchester United had a good chance there. Paul Pogba inside 12 yards uh, after being played in by Bissaka. Um, should have done a bit better hit it straight at Alisson who made a save but uh, Manchester United certainly looking the livelier of the two teams at the moment as they go in search of a winner but I think uh, as I was saying beforehand they would certainly certainly be happy uh, with uh, a draw here at Anfield but uh, 84 and a half minutes there on the clock I'll keep you up to date on that one we're going to talk football now Cork City preparing to return to league action in March well hopefully anyway and one man who's certainly been busy is uh, boss Colin Healy the big news this week the signing of Stephen Beattie the Dubner returning to the club after two years with the Chattanooga Red Wolves in the US Colin caught up with the city boss to talk about preparing for the new season so we're joined by Cork City manager Colin Healy now Colin going into his first season uh, first full season at least as Cork City manager Colin, um, you had a bit of an experience of managing the team towards the end of last season, but obviously you're looking forward to now having the job full-time and a new season starting in the next couple of months. Yeah, no, I did. As I said, um, it was in the last five or six games towards the end of the season, um, and I enjoyed it. I got a taste for it, and um, it's great that I, I got an opportunity to, to bring the season on, uh, to bring the team on to the new season. You've signed up a lot of players in the last few weeks. I mean, there was a, a bit of uncertainty kind of in the off-season with regards to takeover and people were kind of wondering, are we going to sign any players? What's going to happen here? And in the last two or three weeks, a lot of players have been signed up, Colin. A lot of the young guys from last season are still on board. A lot of guys you'd know from the academy and you've made a few more additions as well. So, I mean, it's good to have those young guys coming on board and the first division will probably be a good learning experience for them as well. And they're players, as I say, that you know over the years. Yeah, no, it was. As I said, listen, um, when I got the job, you know, I had a fair idea what players I, I did want to have in with the club. Um, I worked with a lot of the academy boys over the years, and obviously the head of the academy. And um, I know the, the older lads like Garrod and like Keane Coleman and Nuts and all these lads. So I had a fair idea of what players that I did want to get in. So when I did get the job, um, I got cracking straight away and I got, listen, I got working on it straight away. And um, we got a good few lads done in the, in the short space of time. Um, another big signing during the week Stephen Beatty coming back to the club I mean Beats was a great player for years at the club under John Caulfield uh, winning winning leagues and winning cups and so on he left went to the States for the last couple of years and it's great that when he's coming back to Ireland I'm sure he had plenty of offers that he decided to come back to Cork City and he managed to snap him up yeah, listen, listen, listen. As you said, Beats is for listen. He's a great lad. Um, listen, he loves the club. He had a fantastic time here under John. Listen, I played with him as well, and I know how good of a player he is and how important he is, 
especially around the training ground, as you said, listen, he's a good character and that's what we want. That's what we want, good characters in the dressing room. And now he's, he's a senior player and we've got a lot of younger players. So I'd be looking at him as one of those senior lads that in the dressing room that the younger lads can look up to beats and if they've got any any issues or they can they can tap into his knowledge and no it's great it's great to it's great to get him done and it's great to have him back in the club and it's um listen as you said the supporters love him listen as uh, and he'll be um he'll be a big player for us next year he's quite a versatile player as well um he played in defence a lot he played on the wing a couple of times as well at Cork City before and I think he was playing a kind of an attacking position over in the states so you have a few options of where you could play him Colin. Yeah, no, he is. He's a good player. As I said, he can play right back. He can play middle of the park. He can play in the ten. So, listen, he's a good player. He, he can play in different positions, and I don't think it'd be a problem for him if I said, listen, play in this position, play in that position. He's just a good lad. He, there won't be a bother to him. But um, that that won't be an issue. So, it's, um, as I said, it it gives us a bit of strength there that he can he can play those um, different positions. So, it's um, it's it's good for us. Uh, you mentioned Beats having a great influence in the dressing room. Uh, you mentioned Garrod Morrissey, Mark McNulty, these kind of guys. You have a few senior players still around, um, the likes of Beats, Morrissey, McNulty and so on. Um, with a lot of young lads coming through, they're guys who have won leagues with Cork City, won cups, they've been around the club for years. Very, very important to have those influences in the dressing room, isn't it? No, it is. It is. As I said, listen, you need those um, experienced lads and you need that... Um that in the dressing room in every dressing room listen it's, it's always have it's, it's, it's nice to have that that blend and that the, the young lads and obviously the senior lads so it's um, and they're good lads as well like the lads Nulls, Beats uh, Garrod and that they're good lads so if any of the younger lads have any 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 problems or if they if they need to go to them and they need to ask them the lads are there for them and, 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 that, and that's great for them uh, Dylan McGlade signed up during the week as well and as we said uh, the squad is coming together nicely now a lot of players there are you hoping to make a few more additions over the next few weeks Colin? Uh, we're, still, we're still working hard we're still working hard on, on getting players in um, as you said we got Dylan from this week and listen Dylan's a very good player um, delighted to get him in yeah, technically he's very very good so he'll add um, good attacking strength to us Um so as I said, we're we're always we're always looking at the moment, you know. And so we're just hoping that we we can get those right the right players and we can get them done as soon as possible. I suppose things are a bit up in the air still on on when the season is going to start, and you're probably wondering when sh- should we start pre season and so on. I think probably if, if the the league date had stayed as it originally was at the end of February, you'd be started pre season and all by now. But obviously that's delayed. It's now the end of March. Would you, Colin, think that, that, that it should start at the end of March now, regardless of how things are with COVID? I know it's a very difficult time in the country at the moment and there's a lot of uncertainty. Do you, do you think that they should push it out a bit further? It's tough one to call. They, they put it back to the 26th of March and that's what it is at the moment. Uh, we'll just have to work our training schedule off that. If something happens in the meantime and it's pushed back even further, then we'll, we'll just have to work things around that. But um, it, it's, it's difficult. But it, it's difficult at the moment. It's, it's difficult for everybody. Um, but as, as you said, we're working off the 26th. If that changes, then we'll, we'll have to change around our schedule, training schedule. And would, would you would you like it to go ahead on the 26th, even, even if there was no crowds? I mean, we experienced Turners Cross with no crowds last year. And I mean, it's always better when the fans are there and the crowds are there. But football around the world has got used to having no fans there in recent months and over the last year or so, unfortunately. So would you rather kind of maybe wait till crowds could come back? But I suppose there's so much uncertainty about that that we don't know when they could come back. It could be towards the end of the year. Do you think we should just get things up and running regardless? No, listen. I, th- I, th- I think. I mean, listen. As I said, they put in twenty six, and if they're happy to, to go, listen. Everybody wants the crows back in. It's, 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 it's brilliant, especially down in Cork. You know, the, the, the fans in, and you know, the thousands behind the team, and it, it, it's fantastic. But if they're putting in the twenty sixth, um, we might just have to go with it, and, and then if it's three or four months. 
that the, the fans come in then so be it and we just have to go along that line the first division is going to be a different experience for everyone at the club for all of us Colin for, for players management supporters and everything it's not something the club is used to um, but it's going to be a tough competitive league this year if you look around um, Shelburne will be decent Galway are looking good uh, you've got Bray you've got UCD and you're building a strong squad yourself so it's going to be a very very competitive league and even before you added in the likes of Cork City and Shelburne it was a competitive league in the first division last season it went right down to the last day for the playoffs so it's going to be a a, a, a good league to watch but a tough league to play in I think yeah as, as you mentioned there yeah, there's, there's a lot of good teams down the, in the uh, in the division you know with, obviously with John at Galway and Shells you know Shells have got a big budget and Cove down the, down the road and so it's, it will it will it'll be difficult and it'll be it'll be a good it'll be a good division um, it'll be uh, some good football we played in it um, it'll be tough but um it's up to me now and my staff and, and the club obviously to put a team together that we can go and compete and, and have a good season. What's the target, Colin, or is it too early to say? Is the target automatic promotion? Is it playoffs or, or is it too early to say? I think it, I think it's too early to say. I think it's too early to say. But as you said, listen, um, we give it everything that we got and that's just the way it is and the, the lads will be fit, the lads will be um, they'll be hungry. Um, so, it's, um, listen, last year, um, it was nice when we got relegated. It wasn't like so... Um, we have to do things properly um, and give it everything we got and, and let's see, and see where it takes us. As I said, we're still working on getting more players in um, and hopefully that might happen in the next few weeks. But um, as I said, we'll give it everything we can to, to, get, to, to see if we can get, get into that Premier Division. Great stuff. All right. Uh, just finally, actually, Colin, in terms of, I mentioned Turner's Cross, but there's a slight bit of uncertainty about that as well. I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about uh, Grovemore and the MFA negotiating about a lease for Turner's Cross, and there's been mentions that Cork City could end up playing in Musgrave Park or something. I think everyone would prefer to play in Turner's Cross, but have you any insight into that? No, I don't. As I said, listen, I think that they're still talking away to Turner's Cross. Um, as I said, listen, I leave that up to the lads inside the club and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just focusing on the, on the, on the, on the training schedule at the moment. And sure, listen, when we, when we find out that, then, then um, it'd be great. As you said, Turner's Cross is, is um, it's a fantastic stadium. And, you know, it's, um, we've played there for years and that. So, listen, it'd be fantastic if we're back in there again um, next year. Great stuff, Colin. Listen, thanks a million for chatting to us. And uh, best of luck with pre-season. And we'll talk to you soon, all right? Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Yeah, great to hear Colin Healy there, Cork City Boston conversation with Colin ahead uh, of the start of pre season. Two months left at the start of the season, as Colin said. Hopefully, it's going to start on the 26th of March. Uh, but we still don't know yet and still don't know the situation on the ground and all that crack. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But Colin's certainly building a, a very, very good squad. And the first division is going to be incredibly competitive next season. I mean, like, as Colin mentioned there, all the teams that are down there, Cork City, Shelburne, Galway, Cove Ramblers, it is going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazingly competitive. It's going to be far better than the Premier Division anyway. So really looking forward to football uh, resuming back here on Lee's side. And uh, fingers crossed that Cove Ramblers can be there or thereabouts at the end of the season as well. But it's going to be a very, very exciting uh, first division when it kicks off if it kicks off but hopefully it'll kick off uh, at the end of March 26th March is the latest date that uh, that's it, that it's down for so hopefully it can kick off then and hopefully um, both core clubs can do fantastically well all over at Anfield a scoreless between Liverpool and Manchester United is how it finished not the greatest of games opened up a bit the last 15 minutes Manchester United had a couple of chances David De Gea made a couple of saves um probably on balance maybe you could argue Man United had the better of the chances with uh, 
Fernandez and Pogba. Uh, but certainly Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be the happier of the two teams going to Anfield uh, getting a, a point and keeping themselves three points clear at the top of the table so uh, Solskjaer certainly uh, the happier of the two managers this evening the later kick-off Crystal Palace Manchester City quarter past seven Peter Smith Often operating without recognised strikers and winning games by solitary goals as opposed to their multiples of seasons gone by. City is still proving hugely effective. Unbeaten in 14 and having won their last seven in all competitions, victory today would underline their title contending presence. They face a Palace side who've won and drawn here on their last two visits to the Etihad Stadium where it's Manchester City against Crystal Palace. Sorry, I thought that was the team news that we're getting, and then we can play the team news in a bit when we get that uh, into us. Now, early in the week, it was confirmed that college's GAA championships wouldn't be happening in this academic year because of the COVID-19 crisis. Valerie's been speaking to the Higher Education PRO, Kieran Flynn. Now, this week, with the number of cases of COVID-19 in the country, the return of sports safely is a worry for many. During the week, the GAA's 2021 third-level championship, which include the Fitzgibbon and Sigerson Cup, have been cancelled. The GAA's Higher Education Committee did confirm on Wednesday morning that there would be no third-level GA activity for the remainder of the academic year. Joining me on the Big Red Bench is Kieran Flynn, a PRO of the GA Higher Education. Kieran, first of all, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thank you, Valerie. It's, it's great to be on the air, even though, unfortunately, sombre somber reason to be on it. It's, it's great to be on the airways with you. Yeah, Kieran, I presume this decision, it probably wasn't, it wasn't taken lightly, but it was for the safety of the players and staff involved. Absolutely. It was a meeting we were dreading having. We kind of had maybe two or three goals at this. We were we had meetings in November and December and we were kind of always contemplating what's our plan, what's our contingency. And we were unfortunately reserved to waiting until closer to the time. But then, as you rightly said, the cases have gone up across the nation. And it looks like with the countries and public health difficulties, we just we just couldn't risk it. We had no avenue to play our games. So I think we made the right decision in prioritising the safety of the, the nation, really. No, and yeah, and I don't think anyone would, you know, give out to you for doing so. But I think with classes being online, you yourself being a secondary school teacher, these players were probably looking forward to having something to maybe keep their mind occupied, to meet up with their friends and meet up with others at training to get out of the house. So that now can be quite difficult for a lot of them to take. Yes, and I think you have the nail on the head there with regards to that the vast majority of the education now being online and blended, that the students aren't on the campus. So it would be very hard for us, and I think it was a, a an issue that we couldn't insist on elite football and hurling being played, really when the students weren't able to partake in the normal campus life. So unfortunately that probably is a, a barometer of where we'll be. When the students are allowed to be back on campus in some shape or form and sports are allowed that would be probably an indication of when we can play our games again. And how do you think that players will, you know, be able to take this? I know that loads won't be able to physically work away themselves on training and tipping away out the back, or whatever. But mentally, this can have a big impact on some players. Uh, definitely, it's 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 a very tough time to be an elite player. And even when you look at the junior player and all the freshers and all these people, like for example, the first year students have never set foot on campus in a lot of in a lot of instances. And that is quite difficult. Like the GA club is one of the hubs of um, basically camaraderie and social interaction. Mm. So the health and well-being of these players will be affected. But the only thing they can say is that they are holding firm and they are keeping people safe by not playing these games. Like I saw, for example, uh, University of Limerick are they're engaging in the healthy steps challenge, 
when that kicks in in February. So they're encouraging people to get out and be healthy. It's it's not like the, the hurling wall is never going to replace a, a good game of hurling, but unfortunately that's what we have to be at the moment. And you'd feel for the all-freshers, Kieran. to be honest, you know, when you first go into college and you feel like some people mightn't have got a chance to play at club level because they wouldn't have opportunity, but sometimes when they go to college, they probably get their name in the starting 15 and they could miss out on that. Yes, it's, the, the Freshers is one of the best competitions we have. It really is the, the tightest-knit kind of group. People, you'd be playing with people, you know, like when it, when it gets to the senior level in Sigerson, there's lots of postgraduates and there's all the different years coming together and people maybe are on kind of lesser hours and it's just not the same. But the Freshers is very much kind of people you get to know and they're your friends. Mm. And it's unfortunate. But thankfully, um, it looks like we'll be able to pencil in some version of a second-year competition but maybe in October or whenever we're allowed to play our games again. So the freshers who are missing out currently hopefully will get a second-year competition, which essentially will be the freshers' championship. I mean, we all love watching the college games because you do see county players in action as well, and we do see players that end up on county panels because of how they've played on teams and colleges. And over the last few years, you've begun to stream them, so it is nice for the players to be able to get their skills out there and for people to be able to watch at home as well. Yeah, the, the streaming has been a great success, and ultimately you have to thank our sponsors, Electric Ireland, for that. That they they put so much um, investment into our sector streaming these games, and uh, it just shows that these games are want to be watched. We've had some thousands of people watching our games. The players love getting their name out there because it it proves to county managers or even the senior club manager at home, I'm playing on the toughest level. Mm. Like these are the first class rivals who are really like it's one of the hardest games of hurling and football you'll ever play. The fitness levels are as high as any level. Everyone's young and they're fit and they're trying to prove a point. So. They're great games to watch. They're great games to be involved with as an, as an official. And, of course, the players themselves, they'll always talk fondly of the the games they had. Like Twitter and Facebook and all were very kind of... Um, it was somber, as I said at the start earlier, like last night, looking at the, the Twitter all throughout the week, that basically people are saying they love these games. They love yeah. the Fitzgibbon, and they love the Sigerson. Yeah, and look, you are hopeful that you can do something in October, Kieran, though. Yes, well, like the hopefully in October, like a lot of the vaccinations and stuff. Like I, I don't know if you checked it yourself or any of your listeners have the the Omni uh, vaccine calculator, and it kind of gives you an indication of yeah. when you might get the vaccine. <laughs> Mine is uh, May twenty twenty two, which doesn't. Oh, so we, you mightn't make the panel. So. <laughs> no, I, I won't be in the starting fifteen for the Fitzgibbon. No, no, no. no. But, but I think so. A lot of people maybe might be getting it maybe in August, maybe of this year, and hopefully by then sports will be allowed back and. We're hoping to get a good league campaign started and set up in October as we are, and maybe that second year competition. Our leagues are always played in the winter time before Christmas when students are probably only getting back into college. They're preparing for maybe Christmas exams. So we'll definitely have games. Whenever we're allowed to play, I think it's very important that we get our, our campus uh, presence back, that we're training, even when it's non-contact pods of 15, that the GA clubs are open, and it's an outlet for students when they're on campus to play our games that they love. Well, look, Kieran, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's Kieran Flynn, a PROG of higher education. And thanks for making probably the safe decision and the call to make everyone safe. And we look forward to the return of the Games, all right? Thank you very much. And hopefully we'll be talking to you soon about the Games ourselves. Yeah, and thanks indeed to Carolyn for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Disappointing news, not unexpected, um, considering the COVID situation. And as Carolyn said, hopefully some games can take place later on in the calendar year. All right, still to come on the show, going to get you full time from Anfield, and we're going to talk MMA next. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Well, Shane Pennington watched the scoreless draw between Liverpool and Manchester United. 
Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. The visitors extend their lead at the top to two points, but Ali Gunnar Solskjaer will feel bitterly disappointed that he didn't take all three points away from Merseyside. United created the better chances with Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba, both being thwarted by Alisson in the Liverpool goal, whilst the champions looked rather short of confidence up top. Thiago and Andy Robertson had their best chances, but it wasn't to be for them. It finished Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil. So the way it looks at the top of the table, Manchester United top 37 points, Leicester in second and 35, Liverpool third on 34 and Tottenham in fourth on 33. Man City could go up to third today or up to uh, second I should say if uh, they can beat Crystal Palace quarter past seven for that one. Liverpool could be fourth by the end of the evening. But that game kicks off at Selhurst Park at quarter past seven. All right, going to talk uh, MMA now and with Conor McGregor's return to UFC action next week MMA is making the back pages once again in this country however despite the sport's popularity the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association is struggling to make any progress towards formal recognition I spoke to Tim Murphy the association's chairman today to find out why that is first off can you give us a bit of history of uh, the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association Sure. So um, it was originally founded as the Irish uh, Amateur Pancreation Association, which was affiliated under the Wrestling Association, Irish Wrestling Association. And then in 2017, it was renamed Irish MMA Association. And we've kind of gone our own path since then, um, trying to develop government standard uh, governance standards and formal safety standards for MMA in the Republic of Ireland. And safety standards have increased. I've witnessed firsthand, I suppose, the, the impact that safe MMA has had on MMA in this country and uh, the, the very, very high standards that, that health and safety is taken to uh, by MMA in this country. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. The safety standards for amateur MMA in this country now at this point um, is the highest safety standards for any combat sports in the world in terms of uh, pre- and post-fight medical attention as needed and medical um Examinations by doctors um, in terms of you know, post-fight care, all of those things in place, very, very high standard. And also what we brought in a few years ago was a mandatory MRI scans for all amateur athletes before they have their amateur debut. So that would be an MRI scan just to get you all clear that you, you know, you've no pre, um, preconditions that would exclude you from competing in things like and any contact sports, would be that MMA, uh, boxing, kickboxing, anything else. Um, and we are the first sports to, to bring in that requirement for amateur athletes. Yeah, and I've seen that as well because a friend of mine was you to fight, went for his scans, um, all that crack. Something came up that made the doctor say, no, you can't do this. And he's thankful for it, basically, because he's got to save his life. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a, it's an incredibly high safety standard that just wasn't in place um, years ago and still isn't in place for most sports. And it is a case, and I, I know people too, that where you know, things have shown up in scans and Sometimes it can be a case that you know, it's just something they need to be operated on and it's fine. And, but for other people, it has been a case where they're just told, you know, you shouldn't be doing contact sports. They're just like given whatever precondition you might have. It's, um, it's just uh, unex- you know, an unnecessary level of risk. Um, and that's, you know, that, that's not an insignificant number of people. So it's like this is a safety standard, which I think you know, has been a bit divisive in the community here, just in terms of it is extra expense. And it's a safety standard that no other sport um, does. So it is one step above what everyone else is doing in terms of safety. Um, so just a little bit controversial in the way that we're kind of, we're holding ourselves to higher standards than, than they are, say, in amateur boxing or in kickboxing. But at the same time, 
I, I think we're in a position where we've kind of needed to make these efforts to make it really obvious to people that we are going kind of above and beyond on, on the safety front that we're making this sport as safe as possible um, and we're trying to do things the right way. Uh, so there, there was a little bit of pushback in that. It is a higher standard than is expected in other sports. But then, like, and there is obviously some extra expense involved in that. But I think we, we've seen, you know, that, you know when, when people have that clearance, like I've never seen, I've never talked to anyone who's had the scan and regret having it done afterwards because to get that clean bill of health um, with regards to your brain, you know, is, is a nice thing to get and it's a good thing to get. And, um, you know, I think it has proven to be beneficial in that way. And was that pushback from clubs saying that it's it's too expensive, it's creating too, too many barriers for, for young people to get yeah, to fighting? Yeah, like it is a higher barrier of entry than it would have been to compete in sports, say, say 10 years ago. When I when I was competing myself and me, the barrier century would have been a lot less, you know. And the same same for all these other sports. Kickboxing would very be very much the same as well when I was competing in kickboxing. So you could basically just turn up and off you go, like you know. Whereas now you do need to get clear beforehand. You need to give that time. So it's just just takes. It just means people need to be a bit more organised, and it does. You know, it does cost a little bit more, but you're getting seriously higher level peace of mind with regards to your own health as well, which I think is worth a lot. And the increased standards, I suppose, kind of linked directly back to that tragic event in 2016, Joe Carvalho's death, um, and I suppose the scrutiny that MMA in this country was then put under. Yes, it, exactly, it did. Um, and obviously that, that was a tragic, very very sad event, um, but it did kick off you know, a series of changes where the safety standards and the governance standards kind of increased quite a lot um, from that point. And the way it is now is that you know, as an association, we still have no formal recognition. We're trying to get that, but it's proving very, very difficult. But we have the safety standards in place that if a show wants to come in, you know, they're under no obligation to work with anyone. They can do whatever standards they want. Um, but, you know, now they can, like if a show's been run, you can say, okay, this is up to the Irish MMA Association standards or it's, it's not. And if, if, they, if they want to engage with us and they want to run a show to those standards, that's obviously great, and that's what's important is the safety standards. Um, but again, just we're in a kind of a funny situation where the association has no formal recognition. So, um, you know, it, it's only goodwill of promoters really, like that they want to go along with these standards. You know, they're under no obligation to do that. Um, which and you know, we we don't really have any way to force them. And even if we are recognised, we can't force them. But it's um, it just makes the situation you know, a little bit more difficult without any formal recognition from Sport Ireland. And that's you know. And talk to me about the path to recognition. Are you just coming up against a brick wall in, in that, or, or what's yeah, the situation? Yeah, basically coming up against a brick wall. Um, so the one one of the recommendations from the coroner's court after Joe Cavallo's death was uh, was recommended to expedite the establishment of a, a national governing body for MMA in this country. Um, so with that in mind, that's what we've been trying to work towards as an association for the past uh, number of years. And like the safety aspect is only one thing, really. I mean, like a, a governing body for a sport, it's it's about much more than that, really. You know, it's about, um, you know, having the correct governance in place uh, for, like, say, child protection. It's about having, you know, like a like you need to have a written constitution. You need to have strategic plans, Um all these types of things, you need to have a democratically elected board. So all the things, that'll be the same for any sport, you know. Um, all these things have to be put in place and we've been kind of working to get all those things in place. Um, but despite that, uh, we really have made like very, very little progress despite our best intentions um, uh, and despite appealing to, to Sport Ireland and others, um, which has been quite frustrating. 
But why is that? Is it kind of, I suppose, it's everything in this country? It's politics, I guess, as well. Like, but is it kind of like an, almost a snobbery against MMA, or is it what? what do you yeah, think well, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for anyone else, you know. So I, I don't want to put words in anyone else's mouth. But the direction from Sport Ireland is that we should uh, try to affiliate with the Irish Martial Arts Commission. So the Irish Martial Arts Commission would be an umbrella group that's under Sport Ireland for various martial arts. Um, now there are other martial arts that are recognised by Sport Ireland that would be outside of that. Uh, for example, judo. A wrestling and um, and karate all outside that and would be recognised directly by Sport Ireland but for new bodies they want people to go underneath um, this umbrella organisation uh, which is fine uh, which is not reasonable we, we applied to join uh, that association or become affiliated with that association this year and we were rejected because our amateur uh, international federation that would be the international MMA federation uh, doesn't have Sport Accord status so Sport Accord being kind of another umbrella group uh, for international bodies. Uh, so our international federation have, have been applying and trying to, to join that, but again, they seem to be getting rejected again for political reasons. It's not like people are coming back saying that, um, oh, they don't meet this criteria or, the, or that criteria and they're just being kind of re- rejected out of hand, um, which is disappointing again, but that's kind of that they're on an ongoing battle to get that status and uh, IMAX commission. So that'd be the Irish martial arts commission their position is that you need to have that status before you can be accepted as a member of their association, um, which on the face of it doesn't sound completely unreasonable. But then when you look in a bit more detail and you see that they have eight associations um, or eight groupings in, in their umbrella organization, and only four of them actually have this sport accord status. But basically what, what they have done is that they have set up a rule whereby it's a, like a, it's a double standard in that, Existing members don't have to meet this criteria to be a member, but any new members need to have a higher, you know, they need to match our criteria than existing members, um, which seems to me to be like uh, an obvious double standard. And given the fact that you know, these are basically kind of rival sports in a lot of ways, you know, people might go to an MMA club, they might go to a kickboxing club, or they might go to a local karate club, depending, you know, um, so they are affect competitors yeah. and it's competitors having, you know, so that, that to me would be, you know, a potential conflict of interest there. And then when you add that to having double standards about membership, it seems a bit of a, a strange situation um, where that, that is where we're at in that regard. We've gone back and discussed a lot of these concerns with Sport Ireland and, and detailed them in, in quite a bit of detail. But uh, they're basically saying we just need to keep going back with and keep liaising with the Irish Martial Arts Commission, um, which you know, we've tried to do in good faith, but it doesn't really seem to be getting us anywhere at this time. So what's the next step, do you think? Well, it's difficult to know. Like I, we have gone back to the Irish Martial Arts Commission again to try to reopen dialogue. But to be honest, even getting you know email responses from them can take <laughs> can take some time. It's not a you know it's usually weeks or even months before we even get a reply from them. To be honest, um, which again is disappointing. So we're trying to keep that line of communication open. We're trying to develop it, but it's a uh, it's proving very difficult. Um, we've tried to call on Sport Ireland to kind of be more active in helping us on this regard. Um, and again, that, that's proving difficult as well. Um, we're basically, we're looking for help in this regard. Like we're, we're trying to do everything the right way. I mean, any meetings we've had with Sport Ireland or various other interesting body, interested bodies, no one's ever come back after we presented and said, oh, you're missing A, B, C, and D, um, or you're not doing this right, you're doing that right. No one has come back with any criticism of anything really. And I think like if you go through step-by-step on all our safety um procedures and standards you know nobody can criticize them because they're excellent and that's just that's just factually speaking um 
So it is a bit of a frustrating situation. I imagine it's quite frustrating as well because Irish fighters represent the country with such distinction uh, abroad as well. I mean, like even from a Cork perspective, Ryan Splann here won gold a couple of years back at the World Championships. Exactly, yeah. You know, he's a fantastic uh, young athlete um, who's had a great amateur career and now he's gone, gone into the pro ranks. And he, he's a good example really of like an elite amateur athlete competing at a very, very high level um, in these world and European championships. And if anyone goes and looks go onto the International MMA Federation's website and kind of look at the way they run championships. I mean, that's elite amateur sport. They're exceptionally organized uh, body. They do things the right way. Their own standards and their governance is very, very good. And I, I don't think anyone could look at that body and say, this is not a proper, you know, elite amateur uh, federation, you know, compared. And, that, and I think their their standards and how they do things are comparable with, with any international body, really, that I've seen at least. Because, I mean, like, I've seen guys have to take to, to go fund me to try and fund their trips abroad for this yeah. as well, which, again, frustrating. If they were recognised, had proper funding, they wouldn't have to do this. Oh, for, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, it would, it would be fantastic to see them get funding they kind of deserve. And that's all, but that, I mean, realistically, that's always a very difficult battle in terms of, you know, there is a lot of sports and everyone's, everyone's looking for funding and you know, the post for these things is limited. And we'd see, you know, generally in Ireland, you'd see the majority of that funding will go to, to sports and not, not kind of the smaller ones like, like that, uh, which, you know, is, is frustrating. But that's kind of where it is, really, I think, at this stage. You know. Especially when you consider, I suppose, the success as well that Ireland has had professionally on the mixed martial arts scene as well. A couple of years back, Ireland was almost the, the MMA capital of the world when you had Conor McGregor flying high and you had Ashton Daly, Cahill Pender, Joe Duffy, all those big names and you look back to that incredible night back at the O2 a couple of years back and MMA was on the front pages of the papers and uh, Yeah, I mean? it's amazing like then they, they were kind of the golden days really when you had all those you know, everyone, all, all these guys competing in the UFC you'd normally part from, from the north as well obviously in there that night and like it's a kind of funny situation like that, whereby it's kind of when it suits people Everyone's mad about MMA, and it's on the front page, as you say, as you say, and just selling out the tree arena. And um, but then other times it, it can be difficult to get to get any kind of formal backing around things. Um, so it's a bit of a, it can be a bit of a strange situation, I guess. And MMA is going to be back, obviously, in, in the mainstream this week. With Conor McGregor back in action next week. So, fingers crossed, Sporter, and kind of maybe take a look at like the Conor McGregor and all the, the publicity and hype, and maybe get back to you or something. Yeah, well, I, well, I'd hope so. And look, like uh, obviously, someone like Conor McGregor uh, divides opinion, and that's fair enough. Um, without getting into that, but I mean, he is probably arguably Ireland's biggest sports star. Uh, I'd say at the moment, or he's he's definitely up there. And like, he, he's an MMA athlete. You know, there, there's any number of really good uh, competitors out there these days, and they're all following very high standards. And you know, they're all incredible athletes in a, in a very very tough sport. And Look, MMA might not be for everyone the same way people, you know, people don't like, not everyone wants to watch boxing and that's fair enough too or wants to watch any contact sport and that's reasonable enough. Um, so like if, if someone is against contact sports as a general rule, I really have no, no issue with them on that. Um, but I think it should be a case that kind of the same standards are and the same expectations are applied for all, you know, and not, not just have MMA be discriminated against. Tim, thanks so much for talking to us. Um, very best of luck in, in your battle to be recognised uh, in this country and uh, we'll be in touch and uh, hopefully uh, keep in touch uh, in, in track of your progress.
Thank you very much, Ray. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to speak to Tim Murphy there, the chairman of the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, talking about their battle to be recognised officially in this country. Sounds like a lot of red tape and a lot of uh, hard work, but fingers crossed that uh, will come down the line. All right, I'm going to talk basketball briefly. Valerie Collip of Corkman, Conor O'Sullivan, who is in Birmingham Southern College in Alabama, studying and playing uh, basketball as well. Meanwhile, his brother Dar is playing at the Wichita Prep School in Northern Massachusetts, and they chatted about how the move first came about, being homeless once COVID hit the college, and how he got himself COVID. On the big red bench in Cork's Red FM this week is Connor O'Sullivan. He's a basketball star and he's in Birmingham Southern College in Alabama. Connor, it is lovely to chat to you. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Connor, first of all, it's nine o'clock in the morning. Got you up out of bed bright and early to come on the bench. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, there's a six hour difference, and that's that, that could be a problem sometimes when talking to people at home. Good. You've, you've gotten used good. to it. Yeah, all good, no, all good. Look, for anyone that doesn't know you, we need to tell them about you, all right? You have moved to Alabama, and first of all, I suppose, how did this move to America come about the first day, Connor? Uh, so ever since I was a little kid, you know, like, everybody that plays basketball when they're kids is like, oh, my dream is to, like, go go to America. So, I mean, it's, all, it's always been in my head. It's always been, like, a dream of mine to go play. And I kind of, like... I had to take. I was a hard pill to swallow when I was like when I had to go to CIT. I went to CIT for a year, and I was like, all right. I mean, it might not be the best team for me. I'll stay here. I'll get my degree at CIT. But I met somebody that played at BSC. So I had a teammate come over to Ireland. He was an American. He was in the Sports Changes Life program, and that's where they bring Americans over and they get their masters for free. And he went to BSC. And he came over and we became really close friends and our families got really close. So my mom and dad and his mom and dad got really close. So whenever they came over, they would stay in our house. And his dad just happened to be the assistant coach of, of BSC at the time too, which is weird. Like, And I told I told Ian, I was like, listen, it's always been a dream to play in America, like blah, blah, blah. And he was like, here, here's my dad's number, like, just talk to him, I'll vouch for you, like, I think you'll be a great fit at this place, and I'll be honest, like, I didn't even, I didn't even take a visit here, I just got on the plane, took his word for it, took his dad's word for it, and I've loved it ever since. I mean, it must have been, first of all, I know the family are probably delighted to see you go and follow your dream, but making that decision for you, it was easy, but probably for your family to let you go was a bit, you know, apprehensive than going, oh my God, you're actually going to do this? Yeah. Like, I'll be honest with you, my mom is always like, Connor, I don't know if like, the grass is greener on the other side. Like, you have to think about this. You haven't even been to this place before. And I was like, ma'am, like, just let me... <laughs> Just let me go, like let, let me go for even if it's just a year. Let me go. I'll see how it is. If I don't like it, I can come home. And she was always a bit skeptical, but you know that's that's the way mams are. Yeah, classic Irish mammy. They mammy yeah. don't want to let you go anywhere. They want to wrap you in cotton wool. But this is your third. <laughs> are you heading into your third year there now? Yeah, I'm going into my fourth. This is my I'm on my third year here, but it's my fourth year in college. 
Okay, okay. And what is life like every day there for you? I mean, you probably go to college. How much training is involved in the week? Tell us what your your daily routine would be like. So it was different with COVID this year. So, but I'll, I'll tell you like a, a normal schedule first. Like if we were to, if this, if everything was normal before COVID, uh, we start training in, when is it? It's, no, hold on. It's October. We start training in October and we'll train five days a week for two and a half to three hours. And then we'll have a game at the end of the week. And then we get into conference play in January, which is the same thing. So we're still training throughout the whole time and we have a game every Friday, Sunday. Hectic schedule there for Conor O'Sullivan. We play that interview in full on the Big Red Bench uh, next week. Just running out of time a little bit on the show, but we'll hear that interview uh, with Conor on next weekend's Big Red Bench. All right, just before we wrap up, yesterday Valerie paid tribute to the late, great Eamon Ryan following his death earlier on this week. The whole thing's available on the Big Red Bench podcast on redfm.ie, but just in case you missed it, uh, here's a little taste uh, of uh, Valerie's uh, fantastic fantastic uh, tribute show uh, to Eamon yesterday as she spoke to uh, Valerie Mulcahy Orla Farmer and our own uh, Ger McCarthy uh, about Eamon's legacy I think he showed respect I think he was a man of ambition he was kind of pointed out that we wanted to win all Ireland and we kind of thought he might have been daft considering we had one none but uh, he was just a very approachable, easygoing, and well able to speak, I think. And I think his credentials spoke for themselves as well. I think he just won a monster coaching award, you know. So, uh, and we were, like, we knew he, he had played for Cork himself. He'd managed the minor team for four years, and he was after managing the senior team as well. So, you know, that was huge for us, and we were damn glad to have him. And, uh, it was just it was just a wonderful kind of uh, start to a great journey that we managed to maintain and keep him on board for 12 years which is phenomenal and i think you know it shows how much he enjoyed it as much as we did so thankfully he stuck with us and i think it took that Cork team winning the RT Sports Team of the Year award back in 2014 or 2015 I think it was because that was a national vote with everyone around the country voted for them ahead of the Irish rugby team ahead of and the Cork Camogie team were in there that time too to be fair to them that was a big moment but you'd never have known it with him you know you'd win in All-Ireland and he'd bring you straight back down to earth Cork might have a big win and all the players would tell you training session nothing changed you know, you were back down to earth. And you look at the successful managers over the years, even the ones that you've interviewed yourself, Valerie, John Coyley's like even in soccer, the Alex Ferguson's, they only ever said two words to their players when they did well, and that was well done. That's about as much as you needed to tell the players. Because it wasn't about one final, it was about a legacy and it was about making something important and leaving your mark. And my God, look at the mark that he's left. All the trophies, as I've said, my echo column, all the trophies, all the successes to that Cork team, and he in charge of it won are not as important as what he did for Lady Sport and the respect that he gave it. And you very, very rarely saw Eamon angry. You very rarely heard an angry word out of him. But when you did, he was defending his players and he was saying something for the betterment of his players if he felt his players had been slighted. That was the first step, as I say in my column, 
to ladies football and ladies sport beginning to earn something that they didn't have which is respect and I I miss him more for that and I respect him more for that than any of the trophies that he won he set the standard from day one why shouldn't the ladies football team receive the same accolades as the men why shouldn't the camogie team with all the success that they had have the same rights as the men what's the difference it's the same sport and they deserve that equality and I think when history looks back on the history of sport in this country it will reflect very favourably on Eamon Ryan and what he said and how he went about his business he, he just was a good man like he, he was a kind hearted man um, and I think the fact that he, he wanted to stay out of the limelight and you know he wasn't egotistical he just wanted what was best for his players and you know even there like thinking he never took anything for granted like even at a training session I remember you know training away in the farm and, and the Maradike and like nearly I'd say once a week at training he'd pull us in uh, into a huddle and he'd whip out um, a, a newspaper clipping I mean it mightn't have anything to do with football specifically with football but it would be a message you know it could be about life it could be about hard work it could be about motivation it could be about your mind and the power of your mind but you know he, he used to just whip out the, the newspaper clipping he'd bring us all in for a minute or two in the middle of a session and we could be in the middle of an ABB game or something and he'd say right come in, come in now I want to share something with you um, so he really did kind of go above and beyond to to really like help us flourish as players um, and I, I think that really like just shows his character and I think we can all learn we can all learn from, from him and um, again that, 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 that blessing he wanted what was best and he always said you know it doesn't matter if you're training on a Sunday morning or if you're going out on the tunnel in Co Park that you know you should appreciate every match Andy Veg, Ellie Haid, Arish on RIP, Eamon. That's it from us this evening. We're back next Saturday from 6 podcast online, charlieredfm.ie. Green and Red's next. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.